Welcome to the Anxiety Lab. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Sagar Bhatt. I am very excited to present this episode with Mona Chopra. Mona is a, a, a dear friend, and she, along with Kimberly Brown, who you heard in episode one, uh, they both led the mindfulness teacher training I did a few years ago. And Mona is uh, such a delight, uh, a very compassionate being, a warm heart. And we get into just the basic quality of mindfulness. I, I wanted this episode to get back to basics. I, I thought after a few of the recent episodes where we covered some complex teachings around the nuances of working with identity and non-self, and then before that, some heavy topics such as depression, I, I thought it'd be good to just get back to simple mindfulness as it relates to anxiety, back to these fundamentals. Uh, in addition to teaching meditation, Mona is also a yoga teacher and a acupuncturist. You could find her at peopletreewellness.com, uh, which is a great name for a company, by the way. Mona, I never told you that in person. Uh, I'm telling you now. Mona and I get into a Sharon Salzberg passage. And I uh, actually had a friend point out that I never give background on who we're reading. I'm always like, oh, and here's a Jack Kornfeld passage. And for all you know, he's a hot dog salesman, which... Look, I'm not saying there's anything about being a hot dog salesman that would preclude one from being an awakened being. I, I guess we just have to know more about uh, their relationship to the craft. Uh, it's, it's, it's a question. I, I mean, that might be a topic for a future episode. Um, anyway, this, this particular episode is brought to you by Oscar Mayer Hot Dogs. My point is Sharon Salzberg, just to give some background, because I, I don't think I did it on the episode, uh, is a very prominent Buddhist teacher. She's one of the co-founders of the Insight Meditation Society, which is one of the leading meditation centers in the West. She's also authored uh, some great books. I highly encourage you to check out her work. Uh, how's that for an introduction, Eugene? You can't Google someone? Once again, you can email me at theanxietylab at gmail.com or on Instagram S-A-G-A-R-B-O-T, all of that is in the uh, episode notes. And uh, as I mentioned last time, I'm going to do an episode where I address some of the really thoughtful questions that have been coming in, and there's still room for a few. So if you have any type of comment or question on anything we've talked about or something you'd like to hear, uh, you can email theanxietylab at gmail, and I I'd love to know what you're curious about. So without any further ado... Um, I, I don't like saying it that way. Here's the episode with Mona Chopra. Actually, fake out. Uh, I'm back again. This is still the intro. You haven't moved on. You will be here forever. No, but I'm, I'm tacking this on to let you know that at the end of this episode, at the end of this conversation with Mona, she has actually sent me a very short guided meditation practice because uh, we talk a lot about this idea of building space around our anxiety. And I thought, you know, it'd, it'd be useful to actually, you know, experience that. Uh, and, and I asked her last minute to send me something and she was awesome about it. So that'll be at the end. All right, here's Mona. Nope, still the intro. Here's Mona. Hello, Mona. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Hi, it's so nice to be here. So I'd love to uh, dive right in. Here, here's an excerpt I picked from 
Sharon Salzberg. This is from the book Loving Kindness. And to me, this is such a great description of the basic benefit of mindfulness. And I wanted uh, with this episode to just get down to fundamentals. Here it is. Imagine taking a very small glass of water and putting it into a teaspoon of salt. Because of the size of the container, the teaspoon of salt is going to have a big impact upon the water. However, if you approach a much larger body of water, such as a lake, and put into it the same teaspoon of salt, it will not have the same intensity of impact, because the vastness and openness of the vessel receiving it. Even when the salt remains the same, the spaciousness of the vessel receiving it changes everything. We spend a lot of our lives looking for a feeling of safety or protection. We try to alter the amount of salt that comes our way. Ironically, the salt is the very thing that we cannot do anything about as life changes and offers us repeated ups and downs. Our true work is to create a container so immense that any amount of salt, even a truckload, can come into it without affecting our capacity to receive it. No situation, even an extreme one, can mandate a particular reaction. So, listeners, feel free to hit that 15-second back button um, to take that again if you wish. Yeah. So, so Mona, what, what is your reaction when, when you hear that passage? Well, I, I love that, that metaphor of the water in a vessel. And, um, and Sharon put it so well. And, you know, I, I think I've heard it from different, some other different teachers in different contexts. But I think that this is so much the essence of the practice is how can we get more and more spacious and big to hold whatever comes our way. Mm. And, and absolutely, we, we do want to keep avoiding the salt in life. We do. You know, this is human. Like, okay, I'm going to move to this neighborhood because da, da, da. I'm going to, you know, eat these foods, because I'm, whatever, all the ways in which we try to like construct our experience to minimize things that are uncomfortable and right. to maximize pleasure. Um, yes good, fine, we do that. We'll probably keep on doing that. But I think that over time, we're just like the reality of there is no way we're going to avoid the salt coming our way, you know, dawns dawns on us. And either we keep thinking, oh, I just need to like build a bigger wall, you know, to keep out those problems. I just need to avoid those situations. I just need to find the right exactly right job where the people really get me i just need to find the partner that's like actually the one you know and all of this i need the perfect home i need the ocean view okay that's my little fantasy (laughs) and uh but as we were just discussing right none of that it's not so it's just not that's just not life is just that we're not going to avoid the salt because even in all of that, right, we don't get that security that we think we're going to get to. So then what is the other option? Uh-huh. But but I would even say e- even when we avoid the salt, we're avoiding it based on this assumption that like this concentrated taste of it is its true nature. You know, like I, yeah. if I'm afraid of getting a cold... I'm I'm just assuming a certain awful quality to the cold that might not, that doesn't have to be there, you know? I mean, it's funny, I'm using cold as an example when we're in a pandemic, um, (laughs) but that's just how how diverse my anxiety can be. So if I'm dreading the experience of a cold as if if it's salt that's undissolved, when in reality, Mm -hmm. the experience of a cold, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, 
sure, I have a headache, there's discomfort, I'm sniffling fever. Uh, but there's also this chair that I'm sitting on that's offering stability. There's also the wind and maybe a bird perched up on a tree outside. Yeah. And, and there's all these other things happening in my experience or it, that it could be my experience if I open up my awareness. Uh, but when I'm dreading something, I, I don't take into account any of that. It's just this kind of concentrated dose of awfulness. Yeah. What do you think? That's pretty good, yeah, right? I love that. That's great. That's great. Exactly right. Exactly right. Because, yes, when we're fixed on that one thing and we also have an idea of what that one thing is going to feel like, be like, taste like, how we're going to experience it, then it's like the blinders are on. That's the only thing. It's a high, I mean, I often mm -hmm. say anxiety is an incredibly focused state of awareness. It's just incredibly focused where we don't want it to be focused, you know? Yes. It's like it's contracted. It's like we're in tunnel vision. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And mm. and that is where having a wide view, having a long view, holding the big picture, exactly as you said, notice the feeling of your feet on the floor. Notice the sound of the birds outside. Notice the humming of the fan. It's like notice 10 things, you know. It, it's so funny. There's a phrase, you know, I also practice hypnotherapy and there was just one thing that my teacher had said once that I love that I use quite a bit, like, which is just asking someone. And I think it can be a good question in meditative inquiry. Like what's everything you're not noticing right now when you're noticing the yeah, salt wow. or when you're dreading the salt to be or whatever, um, what's everything you're not noticing. Mm -hmm. And in the course of, yeah. So like in the course of just thinking about this again, pandemic, the situation we're in, it's, um, it's interesting. It's just interesting. Like when I've seen people in the hallway or whatever, and it's kind of like, how are you? It's almost like there's an expectation, expectation that we all have to say, oh, just getting by, just yeah. doing the best I can, you know, <laughs> just like have to sort of be like, it's awful. You know, we're just trudging on. And it's like, is every second awful? Like, we're fucking lucky. Excuse me. We are very lucky. No, you could curse. Okay. <laughs> we are, like, privileged if we can be just walking in the hallway. You know what I mean? Like, if we're just where we are. Like, yes, we have issues. We have challenges. We have problems. But, like, there's this immense privilege. And, and you know. Yeah, and we, but we don't see that because, yeah, as you said, anxiety is just, you know, we're hyper-focused in a very narrow way. Yes. And uh, I, I love this simple but incredibly profound teaching uh, you brought up, uh, which is uh, what is everything you're not noticing right now? Uh, that That's so powerful. And I, I just love the simplicity of it. It's not like some, uh, you know, 16 stanza Zen poem that takes me four hours <laughs> to understand if that or if I can even understand it. Um, so like, yeah, in my in my rumination, I'm you know, there's a lot that I'm failing to be aware of. I'm, I'm failing to, I guess, hold that, you know, there's there's a bunch of people out there who love me deeply. There's food in my fridge. Uh, there's all of these things. But in, in, instead, it's it's instead of that, it, it's just fixating on, you know, this very contracted. Everything's terrible. I'm like cursed. This is the worst. Uh, and oftentimes, yeah, when I pay attention to these ruminations and, and again, this is just what sometimes mere attention reveals uh, a lot of my ruminations and stories and fears are, are completely void of the complexities of what it means to be alive. 
and and because there's all these other things. And that, that that's also why I love this salt analogy because like no one's denying the existence of the headache or the work drama or whatever or, or the salt. You know, we're we're just talking about the value of of adding more to the picture, building space and and seeing it in a larger context. So it has helped me though to be like your your vision, your seeing, you know, to check my pulse. It's it's fine to think like I'm going to the bathroom every day. I these are major bodily, they're all working, you know, but when it's we're focused on that one thing, it's just like, oh my God, everything is breaking down. And that these are these hyperbolic thoughts that are not actually true, frankly. Right. And so what is everything we're not noticing? And that's so many things, right? We're not so many things. So many things. So many things. I mean, that could just be the whole teaching what is everything we're not noticing right now yeah and i also i also want to point out you know when we talk about i I guess the nature of this vastness this vastness that can hold this anxiety so that it doesn't feel as terrible uh so far we've talked about you know reminding ourselves of things all of this stuff though is happening on the plane of thought and it's it's important to have gratitude and to remind ourselves of things that we do have mm. and, and reasons why it, it's not just this one-dimensional, you know, terror scenario that we're spinning in our heads. Uh, all that's important in terms of expanding our awareness, but but you know, in terms of this passage, the main thrust is is also to really drop into a more felt sense of the vastness. And yeah. one of the ways Sharon recommends doing that is meta or loving kindness practice. That's M-E-T-T-A. Uh, that's something yes. uh, I touched upon a few episodes ago with Kimberly Brown. Uh, but I also want to talk uh, another way into that felt vastness is also just the very simple practice of mindfulness and, and really just, you know, the simple yet incredibly powerful act of, of, of just dropping into the body. You know, the, the feeling of being in a body versus how we exist in our thoughts is is so colossally different. Mm. And, you know, this felt reality is just so much richer and expansive than than what the mind chatter presents, right? So it, let's just, I guess, use an example from something that sometimes happens in my life. I, I could be a very insecure person uh, when someone maybe makes a joke at my expense, it it really stings. Uh, so let, yeah, let's say I'm at a dinner with friends, and yeah, just someone makes like some rude, insulting comment about me, and you know that that experience of anxiety and pain is is as we said, just very contracted. It and and this comment feels like such a, I guess, comprehensive destruction of who I am, and and it's excruciating. Yes. But when I breathe in presence, you know, and I build some space around it. The insult all of a sudden, I mean, it's not like I'm, it doesn't all of a sudden feel great, but but just that simple drop into the body over time, I can just tap into a deeper sense of who I really am and, yeah. and I identify less and less with, you know, this insult and, and more, I can identify more with the part of me that's holding this experience in larger awareness. And and I think as, when I do that, I can even get a closer look at the pain and and like oh what is this like what how does it feel or uh, what what are some of the images that are associated with this experience of of pain and resistance and and you know look this this whole process is uh, something that happens in degrees and 
you know, there's times where I tap into it and all of a sudden feel peaceful about, uh, you know, have, have, I feel like I've gotten over this comment and I've really grown. Uh, and then the next morning I'm at the laundry and I'm like, ah, that motherfucker. And, and then, and then there's that experience of pain. And then there's the double experience of like, oh, you lost the spaciousness, you idiot. Uh, but no, it's, it's a continued practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think I would suggest, I don't know. And yeah, maybe you're also saying this, like, even if the next day, let's say you go back to hating, like you have a day where you're like, oh, it's not really that solid. It's not so stingy. And then the next day it could feel like, ah, feel the sting again. Yeah. I, I would think even if it's sort of not quite totally measurable, that it's a little bit less because it's been interrupted. It's not just like a steady yeah. ongoing, it was salty bad. You've actually had a moment, a possibility of spaciousness has come in. There's been a little clearing and then maybe the waters get muddied again. Everything gets a little bit tight again, get contracted again. My sense is it's maybe not as tight because you've had this, uh, this break from it. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thinking a little bit in terms of our, like the neuroscience and our neural pathways and habits and habitual responses and knowing that even one time not doing the habitual response is lessening the strength of that pathway. Even if we then do it again, we're like, oh, well, I guess I'm just doing it again. But it's like every time we don't do the habitual thing, it lessens that immediate reactive pattern. Yeah, totally. And it, it's also kind of a, a trippy thing to think about because uh, like, okay, let's say I, yeah, I'm dwelling on something and then I forget about it for a while and then it hits me again later as we talked about. Like those in those moments in between me dwelling on it, like where is this problem? Where is this pain? <laughs> yes. And yeah, it, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, it's a, just a trippy thing to think about. I don't know what to make of it. I don't think, I, I'm not saying that problems don't exist when we're not thinking about them. Uh, I, I just think maybe, yeah, there's some, there's something in there. It's just that maybe the anger and the pain aren't, aren't as enduring and they're not causing us this continuous harm the way that it feels is happening in the mind at the time. And, uh, also I, I think it's important to say, you know, none of this work means that we don't take action when necessary. I mean, this is always a, a point of confusion for me. Uh, it's not that this, teaching is implying that, yeah, someone keeps mistreating me and then, yeah, it's my job to just go home and drop into my body and, and dissolve salt, just be. <laughs> um, but I, I think what this does is when we take a second and build a larger awareness around this this difficult experience, we, we better understand what the harm someone caused us is so that when we respond to this harm, we're we're not overreacting, you know. We're not we're we're un, we have an under, we have a better understanding of what they actually did to us versus all of the stuff we're adding onto it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And sometimes it might lessen our feeling like we have to get the apology, we have to get the set the record straight because there's less on the line. Yeah, and then great, good, you know, great. If we don't, if it's genuine if it genuinely just transforms, I mean, we could have that process happen within ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? A coming to some, whether it's like, okay, you've said some shitty stuff too, Mona. You've hurt this person too. You know, we all have our moment, you know, whatever it is, if it's genuine, if it's 
then maybe with some space around it all, it's like, all right, less of that. I must. Or if you are like, well, if I'm going to continue a relationship with this person, I, I, I need to gain, you know, whether it, I need to tell them how hurt I was, I, I really would like an apology to, and to know that it's sincere, but it will, you will be in a, just a so much more grounded, centered place Mm-hmm. to have that conversation as you said i'm just really echoing back what you said but when we are caught in a reactive loop that's just not the time i mean it's just not skillful it's it's not skillful maybe there's other things that could come out of it if you really want to just like have releases but it's yeah i mean that's almost how fights happen like we're not reacting to each other we're just reacting to salt and then it's like a loop Exactly. I'm sure we can all think of situations when we've we've been triggered off and whatever that person says or does is like the most irritating thing in the world. They could just be like, okay, I guess you need some space. Shut up. I don't need, don't tell me what I need. You know, Mm. it's just like, it's just, there's not, that is not the moment that healthy communication is going to happen, you know, because it's all salt. At this point, I'm full of salt. The wounds are, st- I'm wounded. Everything feels like salt on a wound. <laughs> and, you know, your voice feels like salt at rubbing in the wound, even if you're saying whatever you're saying, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to bounce this off you too, just because for my own anxiety, uh, what's been super effective is, you know, where East meets West. Uh, so, you know, just in terms of spaciousness doesn't always solve everything. You know, like my, my ability to feel good in life isn't just a function of my ability to be spacious. And so, yeah, when I say East, I mean, you know, just this practice of mindfulness, which is so profound. Uh, just what we're talking about with, with regards to, you know, building this vastness. Um, but once I've done that, I, I really have utilized psychotherapy to examine the feeling itself. So for me, it's this process of, yes, let's build space around it, um, but let's also look into it. And for me, a lot of these these feelings can be traced back to this toxic shame that I carry, kind of this baseline feeling of unworthiness that's pre-language. It's, it's just always, it, it, I, I haven't noticed it. Until recently, it's just water that I've been swimming in, and now I'm noticing, oh, I, I have this, it's kind of there all the time, just this basic not good enough-ness. And, you know, it's complex to get into how it all originated, obviously, or at least to me, obviously, it, it can be traced back to various childhood experiences combined with a lot of other factors. But, you know, long story short, for me, you know, in addition to building space, you know, I've also found a lot of impact from really cultivating this inner sense of worth and what that feels like. And, and because if I don't have this inner sense of worth, then yeah, every insult, every comment thrown my way is a referendum on who I am. And, and the stakes are always so high. That's exactly, yes. You've just hit something exactly right. Exactly right. And when we're looking, it's always good to be curious and ask, what am I looking for from this person? I need them to know they made a mistake, to know they said the wrong, you know, hurt me. They thought, what, what, what is it I seek from them? Ah, validation. Could I validate myself? Could I give that to myself? Could I give that to my younger self, who's probably still in this mode of needing to have this external validation? 
So spaciousness, though, I think around a thing can also be going, looking into it, right? Inquiring curiously. Mm. That's the other approach, right? Techniques like rain give us a lot of space around the thing, even though we are beginning to go and look at it more closely. So I think there are these different strategy practices, different ways. One is like, oh, sometimes we need to go out, look at the sky. We need that kind of spaciousness, actually. We need to hear the birds. Right. We need it to be a little outside ourselves, just to breathe, just to get some ventilation around mm -hmm. it. We're on fire, like just to kind of whatever release, open up in that way. And then sometimes the, and then if we have that, it could be like, let me look at that, right? Like I'm feel, what is this feeling? Yeah. What is it like? Right. And not the story, not the story. We are so hooked to our stories, but not the story. The story is not going to lead us to liberation or freedom from this thing because we could be right. And every 10, every friend of ours will tell us how wrong the other person was and how right we are. And we'll just, that's not, that's, will serve our ego a little bit to feel like we're right, we were wrong, whatever, but it's not necessarily leading to any freedom from the suffering of it. But if we can look and look inside ourselves, this feeling, what is this feeling, you know? And then all those kind of inquiry questions, what is it like? Is it, we're working with the raw energy of it, you know, and energy can sound such a like, oh, is it an out there word? But no, it's just saying what that's what these these things that we experience in within ourselves are all energy. So is there a color? Is there a texture? Oh, yes, it's really tight. Oh, it's like there's a holding. It's like I'm I'm clenching my buttocks or it's it's like it's like a feeling of collapse of like, you know, whatever it is. And I think that then opens up so much space for for healing. Because the focus becomes on what am I experiencing right now and not this situational thing that is then going to, we're going to need some external solution to feel better, which we may or may not ever get in our life, you know? Um, yeah. I, I guess for me too, it takes a lot of uh, practice and trust to put my mind down, you know, like I, I, I'm a thinker and so uh, it, it's hard to do that. I, I, it's hard for me to, to see thoughts as thoughts and, and not as default reality. And, and, and I, and that's something I've learned, you know, and, and it's harder to put into practice, but just this basic philosophy, or I, I don't know philosophy, but, but this, for me, this, this, I guess, defense mechanism, what I've learned in therapy is that thoughts and rumination can just be a flight from some kind of raw discomfort. So it, in my mind, I feel as though I'm figuring something out that's really important. All this thinking is important, um, but really it's just anxiety. That, that, that's kind of an eye-opening re revelation. And you know, th this idea too about it just being anxiety is something I've been told by therapists and meditation teachers. I've read it in books and you know, it's gotten annoying and because I, I, just have, I still have a resistance to it. Um, even now, it's, it's, you know, I ask a meditation teacher, what do I do when these kind of thoughts come up? And they're just like, no, just just drop into your body and the answer will emerge. I'm like, what? You hack what? <laughs> it's tough for me to buy that. I, I, and I guess, you know, it's like my brain needs something to latch on to. It's, it's hard for, I guess, thought to understand the value of not thinking. You kind of, as I said, just have to put the whole apparatus down. But it's hard to do at first. 
Absolutely. And it can be a very, it can feel, yeah, inaccessible to many people. Um, and I think you can, yeah, go slowly. I'm glad you shared your experience, like go slowly. But I think also like just the way, and I'm sure you've heard this example many times, but just the way, like sometimes someone will say, what do you mean? Like they say, oh, I've, I'm so pissed at this person. Da, da. And then I'll say like, so what is it like? And where do you feel it in your body? Let's just say that. And they're like, they'll say, I guess my head, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I feel angry. You know, like they're like, what are you talking about? And so one is, I'll say we in general as a society, myself absolutely included in that are not, I mean, this is the whole split of mind and body, the whole Descartes thing. Like we are not, we don't have the conditioning and training to be so in touch with our body. We're thinking beings. This is right. So it can be really hard and feel abstract and feel like I don't feel anything and which is okay. But I think then when you, you can sometimes have extreme situations where it becomes more clear when you, so this is, I was saying, you might've heard this example if someone says, just imagine right now taking like a bright yellow, juicy lemon, cutting it, seeing those little, the little juice squirting out and then taking it to your lips and, you know, taking it to your mouth and squeezing the juice right onto your tongue and feeling it. So you, you might feel a sensation in your body maybe that maybe that one not you know or if it's something that evokes a lot of rage or that it may evoke you know then someone might be able to be like oh yeah that feels like a pit in my stomach or that feels like a you know tension in my jaw or whatever so and not that that's the only way but it it is um it is so uh helpful i think to just be aware that we have these different ways of different strategies and reason and rational you know I've been told get out of your head want to stop trying to you're trying to figure it out you're trying to you know just go in you know I've been told the same thing too and sometimes it's annoying when you're like no 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 can I just finish my thought here like I think I'm about to crack it you know I think I figured it out but um but it it but the tenderness can but I have found I should say that Often, if we can just even temporarily say for now, we're going to just let the story go, just put it aside, stay with the feeling here that the pain, the pain, the pain presents itself in whatever way that is. And even if that is like, I can't feel, I don't feel it. So what is, what is that? What is that like then to not feel? what's happening right now it's frustrating okay what is that like you know I think that that inquiry can be so much more fruitful and helpful for our growth you know and development and freedom than going back into the story so much and yeah yeah and there's also room for just to appeal to the more data-driven people listening uh like I could look back on a period of anxiety like you know this past Monday I was overanalyzing well, at the time, I thought I was just analyzing, but it, but it turned out I was overanalyzing. I, I was thinking about what do I do when my lease is up in New York City, and I was kind of playing out all these different scenarios. And then I look back, and I'm like, well, did I figure anything out? No. Did I come to any piece? Did I 
you know, make any progress. And, and no, I, I just spent all of these hours, it turned out, chewing and chewing. And look, I mean, it, 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 so some of that's okay. Obviously, we have to think and decisions have to be made. But all of that chewing and ruminating, you know, did it, did it, you know, at a certain point, it was too much. So, so maybe next time I find myself in that mode, it's like, all right, I, I may be in that, there's a chance I'm just in a ruminative loop right now. Maybe I can go work out or meditate or something. And then sometimes like 15 minutes after a workout, I'll not have an, maybe an answer, but at least like maybe sometimes just like a little opening or a revelation, you know? Yeah. And I think like in that there's, I mean, we think we're going to think, we think we need to think. It's not just like every second, what is your body telling you? No, like we're, we're going <laughs> to think. And it's, I, um, it has a role too. I guess the thing that I kind of come to is like, well, how's that working for you? If it's, how's that working for, if it's working for you, great, then you, why do you need anyone to tell you anything different, you know, or to suggest any different, but it's like, if you're stuck and you're like, ah, I am trying to find my way out of this tangle, this mess that I'm going to think it out, think it, you know, my way out. It's like, if that's not happening, let's go to another level of, accessing what's what's happening in you and um and so much i think if i were just of people just acting out um or being completely unaware of what their biases are um or having like these episodes of just explosions of rage are because there's just a complete disconnect with like what's really happening in me you know, and I feel like if we all had some tools to just be present with our pain, with the ways in which we suffer with no judgment, it doesn't matter. We can be the quote unquote luckiest person in the world according to certain metrics and standards. We still have pain. And to be able to be with that and then apply some tenderness, some compassion, some acceptance some non-judgment to it I, I just feel it has such a role in our world you know so um yeah well uh beautifully said uh i have more to discuss with you but that ends this portion uh thank you so much mona for being here it's been so lovely i've enjoyed myself so much and you've given me in this conversation has given me you know things to kind of think about and sit with some more and i appreciate it so much yeah thank you so much it's really been such a pleasure thank you as always for listening thank you to mona chopra you could find her once again at peopletreewellness.com as i mentioned in the intro mona has graciously provided a very short about 11 minute uh, guided meditation I figured for all of our talk on holding our experience, holding our anxiety in, in this feeling of vastness, it, it'd be nice to actually practice uh, doing it. Uh, Mona's an awesome meditation teacher. I would encourage you to, uh, next time you have a few minutes and, and a comfortable place to sit, if you're looking to settle, this is a great place to start. So please enjoy it. Uh, feel free to let me know how it went. And... Here's Mona again.
Allow yourself to come to a comfortable seated position. We'll practice for just a few minutes. If you're comfortable to sit with your feet on the ground, go ahead and do that. And then settle in to the position that you're in. If you need to make any little adjustments, go ahead and do so. And then begin to shift your awareness to come inside yourself and to travel down into the soles of your feet. becoming aware of the way your feet are contacting the ground. If it helps to wiggle your toes a bit or make small movements with your feet to sense them for just a moment or two, go ahead and do that. And then allow them to simply rest on the ground and have a sense of the contact between the very soles of your feet and the ground. And whether you're seated inside several stories up or on a ground floor, whether you're inside or outside, have a sense that the ground underneath you connects down with the actual earth. And just become aware of the contact between your feet and the earth underneath you. And even as you are aware of this ground beneath your feet, you might also invite the body to soften any places any parts that feel they can soften. Notice if there's a holding anywhere and just the invitation to soften allows for a release. Notice the belly. Be aware of the chest. Sense the top of your shoulders. Notice your jaw. Be aware of the space between your eyebrows. And then become aware of the space above your head going all the way up 
to the sky, through the atmosphere, through the layers, and just become aware of that space. And now shifting your awareness to become aware of the space to the left of you. All the space that's to the left of you. Space that goes beyond the borders of the room or home you may be in, just continues. Shifting your awareness now to the right side of you and become aware of the space to the right side. All the space that exists to the right side of you. past any doors or windows or walls. And shifting your awareness now to become aware of the space behind you. All the space behind you. And now shifting your awareness to become aware of the space in front of you. All that space that exists in front of you and carries on. And notice what happens now when you become aware of the ground beneath you, the space to the left of you, the space to the right of you, the space behind you, the space in front of you, the space above you and now become aware of the space within you. You might notice 
what that sense of spaciousness inside feels like. And within that sense of spaciousness inside, can you feel your breath moving in, releasing out? Can you be aware of the breath mixing with the space as it comes in and releases out? Any thoughts that may arise, sensations that may arise, allow them to mix with the space, to mix with the breath, to come in and release out. 